podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we can talk about it. We can chit chat about something else if you want. No, I mean, I never just, heard about Bose training. Started talking. Do you and Dory talk about Bose training? Uh, What's off limits for Andrew Secunda? Uh, you know, we'll probably skip any talk of my wife and I's embryos. <laughs> sure. Um, Bo tends to guest star a lot on the other podcasts, so uh-huh. we like to keep Bo related things to Bo. Sure. You know what it is? You know why I want I always want you to push my, my sound higher? Mm. Is I feel like you edge your sound a little higher than mine, so it's like you're you're one of the Star Trek sort of god creatures that tells me, I humans are nothing <laughs> and I'm yelling into the into the abyss to try I, and convince you to let us live. Again, I know how we like to start each episode with a state of the audio. Uh-huh. Um but I assure you, I don't. Okay, I don't take. You I tried. Don't. You tried to bypass it into a conversation about Bo. <laughs> no, I went right back listen, to the audio. Fine. You have uh, neuroses that uh, makes like you you're uh, louder than me. Is it just my self? My 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 self hatred. <laughs> I don't. You listen back, and you feel like you're louder. Not in the last rather, one. The last one, it seemed fine. But I ter- told you to turn me up in the last one. I don't, Andy. I'll turn you up again, but you're gonna start. You're gonna peak. No, if you feel like I'm gonna peak, then don't do because it. Because you can always. Here's the thing with audio: you can always, if you'd like to look at the levels there. Yeah, you can I always can't, I can't uh, right. stand over there and start talking. Okay, I'm so testing you're right my, here. my voice, and I'm right here. Yeah, you're so you're so low and and gentle and quiet. Well, it's because I'm talking. <laughs> see, this is normal talking. Okay. See, I see. I feel like that's a little bit. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> You want to? I'll give you uh, just a. I'll give you a quarter. Give me a hair. A quarter point. All right. <laughs> you feel better? Quarter impulse power. You feel Qu- better. Quarter impulse power. Welcome to Star Trek: The Next Conversation. Everything we just talked about, the yeah. audience will not have heard. Oh, sorry. Some of it's amusing. None of it's amusing. They like the peek behind the curtain. They've they all said it loud and clear. They don't care about us. About really, Andy's. Microphone insecurity. I think you're wrong. I think a lot of people have tweeted us. All about right, it. Well, mostly it's. I've, I'm glad that there's no echo. Anymore, I've left but... it. I've left it in. Uh, and let me know if I was right to have wanted to cut it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't leave all of it in. <laughs> Sorry. Just edit it into a beautiful little sketch. I, I know you're going to put all this detail work into it, Matt. I, I, I listen. I try to get the audio as pleasant as possible. Yeah. I, you know. Do some things. It takes a little while. I usually do dishes while it's rendering. Really? And uh, you don't have a dishwasher? I don't. That's crazy town. I know. You I guys know. are living like paupers over there. Well, you know, we tend to like think. Well, what would we rather spend money on—a dishwasher or family vacation to Disney World? Well, all right, you got me there. It's never been a thing we've discussed. No. <laughs> Uh, Dory wants a dishwasher. We just, you know, house was built in the twenties, so there was. How would Dory one. feel about oh, the three of us going on a trip together to Disney World? <laughs> you know, I don't know if this is a, a place to bring this up. I would. 
definitely. I feel like Dory maybe definitely try. I'll I feel try like it. Maybe Dory doesn't like me. Does Dory no, not that's like not me? True. No. Okay. No. She's uh, she just doesn't like Disney World. That's the problem. No, all right. I haven't been able to get her go get her to go to, for like two years, but I am getting her to go to Disneyland Paris. Well, that sounds amazing. I'd rather go to Disneyland Paris. I've never been there. All right. I'll see if she can make, let you come. <laughs> Romantic vacation for three. <laughs> Andy, come along. <laughs> um, Welcome to uh, the episode. We have a lot to catch up on. I suppose we should start by uh, opening our hailing frequencies. Captain, we are being hailed. Uh, we sure should. Uh, now, I don't know if we addressed this last week. It feels like an actually appropriate thing for us to discuss as opposed to 70% of what we usually discuss. Yeah. But Star Trek Discovery has been delayed. Uh, further than the fall? Further than May into the fall. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, guess cause it, I don't know what's okay. happening over there. I can't tell if it's Kelvin timeline or not. It seems like it's Kelvin timeline. That's what it looks like to me. Kelvin timeline being the JJ verse. No, really? Yes. Is that why the Klingons look so weird, or was that was that debunked? I mean, the Klingons look crazy. I think that might have been debunked. It was not debunked. Who debunked it? I did in my brain. It was not debunked. <laughs> I thought that people were. It just seems insane if those are Klingons. Have we not seen Klingons in any of the the new movies? We did in in a darkness, but they look. Different. They did look different. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh-oh. <laughs> What's happening, Andy? I'm sorry. I got <laughs> so confident. In your abilities to play. I really, I, I set it all up in this new way, and uh, but but then I blew it uh, Here, take a look. Come what? on over here. All right. Take a look at the Klingons I've heard, in I've... Into Darkness. Those are the Into Darkness Klingons. Oh, I don't remember that, and I don't like them either. I like that they wore face armor. I thought that was cool. Were they called out as Klingons? Yeah. I don't remember that. Um, in what section? The When Scotty invents uh, transwarp beaming <laughs> and like nullifies all of the need for starships. It's <laughs> a lot of crap that went down and into darkness that i don't remember i think i was mostly disappointed in how they handled Khan, even though i love uh benedict i feel like yeah i whatever so i don't know why the klingons are different guys i don't know Khan could have been so much more of a cool villain than they made him a young full power Khan. he was so clever in star trek too well you know i've said this before but i wish they had this is really for more when we approach the movies. Yeah, right? but I wish that my problem with it, I had no problem with them bringing Khan in. Yeah. You know, I was like, well, okay, that makes sense that Khan would eventually be involved. Definitely. Um, but my problem was that because of the Kelvin timeline, Khan, the circumstances of Khan being being awoken were different. Uh huh. So he is awake. He's put to work by Starfleet, forced to be worked by Starfleet. Right. I think it would have been a much cooler and much more interesting movie if it went the way that it was going in the second and third act where they realize Cumberbatch and Kirk realize that their greater enemy is RoboCop and that they it was a team up. It was more of just a team up situation. 
Right. And not, you know. Yeah, I agree. It seems like cons. They should have just shifted the story. They should have, st- instead of trying to nail the fucking. It's, it seemed like Khan's um, objections were, I mean, I always appreciate when they give the villain legitimate, um, mm-hmm. a legitimate perspective, but it almost seemed like it was, his concerns were too valid. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that they could have done differently with that movie. But at the end of the day, I don't ever have to think about it again. <laughs> um, although you were uh, called out, for, it doesn't matter. What did I do wrong? Well, isn't that in Prime Corrective? No, this is it. Isn't that so? One, someone tweeted at us. Um, uh, here, I'll find it. But it was basically that you had not seen Star Trek Beyond, Beyond until uh, until recently, until okay. last week. Yeah, and here you have a Star Trek podcast. So they say. Yeah, non-Kelvin timeline. I respect Gene Roddenberry's work. <laughs> nice, nice parry. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, why is it Kelvin timeline? I thought it was Star Trek. It's prime or or non-prime. Well, it's prime, which is you know the real stuff. What does Kelvin refer to? It's the USS Kelvin. Oh, I see. Facing off against the the Romulan mining ship, right? <laughs> the super powerful mining ship. So dumb. Yep. Yeah, call me out. Sorry um, if I don't have time to see movies. <laughs> okay, let's I'm get doing into this. podcasts for you. Let's get into these letters. By the way, do we still call them letters <laughs> in the in the future or in the 2017s? Oh, good question. I mean, I just meant in the 2017s. Uh, yeah, they're going to be called letters. I okay. Think. Well, they're emails, really. Emails. Letters seems quaint. Hey guys, really enjoying the podcast and appreciate the time and effort you're putting into it. I tried watching uh, TNG over the summer, but failed miserably uh-huh. after only a handful of episodes on the first season your podcast has given me the opportunity of skipping those damn episodes and getting a refresher course at the same time so i really appreciate that i just wanted to say that part because uh i thought uh you know our podcast serves many purposes even not having to watch the bad episodes it does my question is this if you had the opportunity to have one piece of tech from star trek today what would it be don't consider the uh, what effect it would have on society or anything like that I'm just wondering what Star Trek technology Matt and Andy would specifically want to exist in current day. Done. Holiday. That's what I would have to I say, too. More I'm, than a transporter. I, transporter is really the closest one just because I'm often late. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that wouldn't help you. A transporter wouldn't do it's anything like, for you. You don't have to even go to, to tra- Disneyland Paris because you can just create disneyland paris i think a transporter for you would you'd still be late that's true you'd like push you'd be like well now it's almost instantaneous like a gas i would fill the time (laughs) yeah you'd fucking morph into some sort of uh it'd be crazy i'd be interested to see how late you were with the transporter yeah just so we could go andy you have a transporter (laughs) that really would remove excuse. Uh, my transporter wasn't working. I didn't know how to turn my transporter on. My power was out. Your Heisenberg compensator wasn't compensating. Um, also, as my uh, oh the, the, the title for this uh, email was poop. Uh, as my t- email title might suggest, how do you think the Enterprise disposes of waste? I would assume they sanitize, recycle, reuse. But my ten-year-old brain, ten-year-old brain. 
oh, thought it would be really funny if they dispense uh, a bunch of poop before kicking <laughs> into warp seven. Andy <laughs> just had a real crisis of conscience where to... he thought that you, the emailer, was actually a 10-year-old and was not speaking in hyperbole. <laughs> I was... <laughs> 10-year-old brain? Well, I think what I thought for the second was, well, you know, next generation uh, fans are you know generally going to be a smarter, nerdier group of people. And I was like, wait a minute, this is way too literate for a 10-year-old. <laughs> I was about to feel bad about myself as a writer. As, on a side note, I love all those little jingles that people have created. But why no Matt is for you? You don't have a segment on the show like Andy's Theories, maybe a Matt's Rebuke segment? I like to think of this podcast as though Andy has terminal brain cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and he made a wish that he could have a podcast. So every week, I just help him fulfill that wish. <laughs> Even though the reality is... That uh, we were talking about podcasts, and uh, I think Matt said, "Well, we could do next generation." <laughs> well, you were looking for an do. idea for podcasts. I podcast, was looking for and one. I was like, "Well, yeah. here's the one." Oh, that he's I've making been himself sound all. I've casual. been waiting to do this podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been waiting to find someone stupid enough to agree to do it with me. All right, and, and I, uh, I found him, and I had forgotten what that first season was like. But anyway, that's from regards, Billy. Um, and so, uh, what do you say about the, uh, the waste? Any perspective? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm sure it's been written about as to what happens to waste on the enterprise. All right, well. uh, I'm even looking it up, but if I had to think about what it does, I, I, you know, waste is matter. So I'm sure it would be used as matter for the matter, antimatter containment, the, you know, reaction in the, in the warp core. The, the waste? Yeah. It's matter. Yeah. That's kind of gross. All matter. So is that what's coming out the warp nacelles? <laughs> Are they running on way on poop? Well, <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Paul Burnett tweeted at us, and I thought this was really funny. Once Picard says engage, do Picard, Riker, Troy just sit facing forward for hours until they arrive? <laughs> <laughs> Because every episode does end with them like, all right, here we go. And it's like, well, they're just sitting there. What do they have to do? That's a very funny Paul, thought. very funny perspective. Um, and that would be a great sketch of just sitting there. What do they don't? They don't, they don't, we don't talk when we're on the bridge and nothing else happens. And the people in the background just grumbling, quiet back there. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they just sit around and chit chat. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Did you see? Uh, talk about the mission coming up. Uh, did you see they got a new synth hull and uh, ten forward? Talk about the like. <laughs> oh, I was reading about the Tholian web that the old Enterprise went up against. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Seems crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are these seats? Do they change these seats? Are they uh, comfortable? Or? I feel like the seat is. Moved. It's a little spongy. Was someone know. in this? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I've spilled my tea. I've spilled my tea. He never drinks tea on the bridge. He does not. He I guess should drink tea weird. on the bridge. Oh, the I think that comes in later unless I cut that that uh, that letter. Chris Condon tweeted at us. I believe it's pronounced... Oh, uh, Larry Nemechek uh, had tweeted... I don't know if he tweeted at us, in fairness to Mr. Nemechek, but he, he tweeted in response to tweets about how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I believe it's not pronounced Nemechek. I don't know if we were pronouncing it wrong. Zach, the the writer of the Star Trek Companion. Nemechek, yeah. But Larry can correct me if I'm wrong. No. Or you can refer to him by his title, Dr. Trek. Dr. Trek. Anyway, thank you, Larry. We ref we use your uh, 
your book as a reference. Um, Stephen Heckert. Oh, that was my phone, guys. That was his phone. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. You don't have a message. Second screw up is second nuts. screw up. <laughs> we do count uh, out the screw ups in the episode. If you're tracking our screw ups, <laughs> do let know, us know. We don't need a uh, we don't need a spreadsheet on that, folks. <laughs> that will cause you too much work. Lonely Among Us episode and why they couldn't have used a shuttlecraft. We were debating how many shuttlecraft, and I was saying in Lonely Among Us is a few episodes back why they didn't just send a shuttlecraft out to uh, get get uh, Picard back when he became an energy being. <laughs> Hey guys, quick thought. While reviewing the episode Lonely Among Us, one of you asked why they couldn't have a shuttlecraft. The reason for this is because uh, a filming miniature uh, and sets for a shuttlecraft were not available until episode 19, Coming of Age. Same problem. Don't give me the production answer. I want the real world Star Trek answer. All right. Well, he he doesn't have that. I'm going to have to come up with an Andy's theory for it. I would say... Um, you can't have an Andy's theory for a letter this now this early. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Just, uh, I don't know which way is up. Our friend Joe Garcia tweeted at us. Uh, oh man, I'm delighted by the idea that Picard reads bedtime stories to the crew over the ship's PA. I'd forgotten we did that. Uh, I wonder how the night shift engineers and such react to bedtime stories at the beginning of their shifts. And he also, I believe, sent us a picture of uh, what Kirk would wear, which was the old timey. Um, Christmas Carol thing what, that Kirk I, would wear or Picard? Sorry, Picard. Oh, my God. Oh, how I wish Star I was Trek back podcast? in original series. Oh. That's what my brain is telling me there. I've been watching a lot of original series lately. Um, Daryl Daw uh-huh, wrote uh-huh. us. Um, I thought this was an interesting one. I just listened to episode nine. I have to tell you that it was oh the best one so far. <laughs> That's why it was interesting. I have really been enjoying the show, but the previous ones have been a little hard to get through. <laughs> But not this one. <laughs> just, this part I just want to say because even though I should have cut it out because I was like, hey, oh, I felt like I was being nagged in the top of this email. <laughs> um, but here's the interesting part. I'm a teacher for kids with visual impairments. I have students that range from total blindness to low vision. From my experience with this population of students, Jordy would fit in perfectly with them. I don't know when Jordy went blind, but when I have a student who has been blind from birth or shortly afterward. From birth. What did I say? Jordy was no. I'm saying Jordy was born she oh, from birth. I say he or she didn't. Gotcha. Yeah, I think he he she, he's talking about the uh, the his students, not Jordy yet. Nobody asked. I don't know when Jordy was blind. And I oh, I see. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Very good. I tend to see a lot of social awkwardness, whether it's from a Stevie Wonder head rock or inappropriate comments. I think. Uh, by the way, at this point in the in the in the in the letter, I'm like, is this politically incorrect? But I'm like, but he's. Every spending every day of his life helping kids with visual impairment, so I guess he knows he's on the right side of it. I think we're good to go. I think this happens because people are around someone with any kind of impairment tend to be shy about telling the person they uh, they are doing or saying something weird. I have a lot to tell my students. I've had a lot. I had to tell a lot of my students that their shirt is inside out or to stop sticking their fingers in their eye. Some of my students would even say some strange things, and if no one replies to them, they, don't, they didn't think anyone heard them. I haven't heard Captain or Will or even Wesley pull Jordy aside and say, dude, what was that? <laughs> so Jordy may not think he's being heard. Anyways, <laughs> his social awkwardness is very close to what I see my students teach. And then on a side note, I bought something for one of my students called Jordy Glasses. They were a magnifier telescope-like device that student uh, wore like glasses. This device lets students zoom in 
on books or the whiteboard. It even allowed a student to change contrast, which I thought was pretty awesome. Wow. Um, any thoughts? On on the whole uh, social awkwardness of blind students? <laughs> I don't have any thoughts. That's not on me. Reasonable. Um, I guess on Jordy's? I, I do think Jordy is I mean, Jordy can weird, see. He can see. Jordy can see. But he definitely, I think that Daryl has put his finger on, and I assume we've kind of implied it, that Jordy acts weird in many social situations. Well, he's unlucky in love. That's true. Amy Harawadi uh, writes us, hey, hey, Matt and Andy, in, oh, so here we're into talking about Haydn Q. In, in regards uh, to Q, I, f- I think uh, I'm with Andy. I find him annoying. I think Q is behaving more or less like a god of the Bible with his weird obsession, meddling in human affairs, his sometimes purposeless tests and temptations, and his petty and angry nature. It would be more believable for someone that powerful to be a bit apathetic, like maybe Dr. Manhattan. Watchmen reference. Please consider doing it twice a week. Thanks. Okay, we'll consider it. Matt has, di- Matt has disconnected. Sarah the Frustrated writes us, Fun fact, <laughs> MVC is also cha- a chain of porn shops in Northern Virginia. Nice. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> um, oh, you're going to enjoy this. So we don't have a prime corrective theme song, people. That's true. Or a, or a sound thing. Uh, have them, by the way, if they can be a little shorter, whatever your theme songs are that you send in. No, he's... Uh, I think they're fine length. Shaking up. All right, fine length. But you know, if it becomes part of the show, we're going to have to play them every single time. That, it delights me. All right. There you go. Different perspectives. Um, you're going to love this one. Mm. Cody R. Hernandez, our friend from NASA, the, uh, the, engine, the rocket engineer or scientist... Writes apologies, Matt. You were right about Matt the Bolian barber. I knew Mott. I was wrong. As Mott, I said say Matt, and it says Mott. I, I, in fairness, I haven't been introduced to that character yet. That's true. Although I can't read the word Mott, so that's kind of on me. I knew I was wrong as soon as I heard it. I was remembering the decoy barber and forgot that there was a real Mott. I'll stick to telemetry and defer to Matt and all things Star Trek. So we have proven that. In regards to next generation, at least, Matt Myra is smarter than a rocket scientist. <laughs> and only in regards to the fictional television show, Star Trek The Next Generation. Cody, I hope you're working on our, our invite to uh, NASA. Um, thank you for the letter. I can get us in. Oh, really? Exciting. Uh, and then Marcus Erlinson, um tweeted a follow-up that was you were partially correct about Mott. An unnamed Boleyn barber shows up in Data's Day mid-season four. Mott named in Ensign Row. Uh, I can't wait until Ensign Row. We Boy, covered I, this, I by Ensign the way. Row. We already did? We covered this just via me reading about Mott oh, all right. on Memory Alpha. Do you want to cut this part? No, we leave it. That that I'm just saying, that email we covered. We didn't get a return email. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we covered whether it was real or not. Whether, whether he was my, on, tra- on yeah. track or not. Did we decide you were right or wrong? I, I just read everything and was like, I'm kind of right, kind of wrong. Gotcha. Let the world decide. I see. So. Fair, fair enough. All right. Well, I would cut all this, but. I'm not going to. I'm not in charge of the cutting, people. That's so right. My just apologies. me. <laughs> um, let's let's one- do this whole podcast from a Jeffrey's tube. C1150 says, it seems that Andy's confusing. Oh. We're in a Jeffrey's tube. Oh, now the echo would be good. Because we're mean? in a Jeffrey's oh, tube. Oh, right. 
Do you hear an echo in the Jeffrey's tubes? I feel like that all <laughs> echoes are swallowed up by the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you can't bring coffee into the Jeffrey's tube. <laughs> I'm, I'm so groggy, what though. What if it spills? I know, but I just I needed the little pep. Commander LaForge is going to be very upset if you drop this. I'm sick of Commander LaForge and his bullshit. Hey, hey, the guy's blind. That's why he acts that way. He's not really blind. We don't have to give him the dignity of an actual blind person. He doesn't know social cues. Uh, when does that guy... Does that guy date? <laughs> what do you mean? I just feel like he's always making these sassy comments about all the machines around us. He spends a lot of time in the holodeck. Um, it seems... Uh, I'm going back to letters. I'm out of character now. It seems that Andy is confusing omnipotent and omniscient. There is no indication that Q is all-knowing clearly. Uh, this was an issue from a couple of our letters. Um, and uh, Was the issue about how you were wrong? <laughs> some were friendly. Some were critiques. No, I mean, critiques. let's hear about this because I like this kind of email. <laughs> Um, um, Finally, Andy's wrong. <laughs> well, as so, as the person in charge of the, the letters, I don't know how many of those are going to sneak through. Uh, I will I will accept critiques. Uh, accept it. One person wrote us a nasty review that said we're like a morning zoo crew. Oh, and, with all the uh, sounds, I love it. But I gotta say, I love it. It's it's uh it's intended as a, a smidgen of irony. I do have to. You have to. Oh, we don't think that all these jingles are good. Yeah, I mean we we're like them just being because annoying. they're ridiculous. Yeah. So that guy's off base. Oh, that guy's going to hell. I don't. You know, you can accept that they're annoying. Still, that's fair. Whatever the case, Q. Um, um, I'm on two sides of it because I do feel like he is presented as omnipotent, and if he's omnipotent. He definitely can can mess with time, so it's all ish, you know. It's and and therefore he could probably see what was inside their heads, unless it's just matter that he has control. I don't think he can see inside their heads at all. He's surprised often. I know he's always surprised and he's always wrong. I just don't understand your problem with the character of Q is very concerning to me. Why? I just don't understand why you can't accept him as a as a as a being. It's magic. It it's it's the only distinction between this and the fantasy that you hate is that they said he's an alien. Uh (laughs) That's it. If they'd called wizards aliens, then you would believe them. If Lord of the Rings took place on an alien planet, yeah, I'd be into it. And I will go further that the Not backstory some bullshit Middle Earth. The backstory of Gandalf and 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 how he evolved is much more specific than Q, where they just say he's a bunch of other Qs. He's from a continuum. He is though. It uh, anyway. Uh, Brandon writes us a a useful perspective on it. Um, Another great podcast episode. I think the Q are concerned about humans surpassing them. We know in a future episode, spoiler Andy, that uh, Q takes Picard back to the dawn of life on Earth. That sounds cool. But can the Q ever move forward in time? Maybe they aren't allowed by continuum rules. So they can only predict the future without having to access it. And they see the potential of human species surpassing them. Q wants Riker to help them understand them. So they can be our allies in the future. I don't know if he wants them to be our allies. Secondly, as the first, as is, as this is the first season in Matt notes that the episodes don't play out in the order they were written in, 
would the first season be more coherent if viewed in written order? Instead I of don't know. Order? That's an interesting point. And we're going to talk about that today because this episode should have been the fifth episode that aired. Which would have put it where? Early. You know, that's an interesting question because I had a separate question about the 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 topic itself. Let me just flip back. So if it's the fifth episode where no one has gone before was number five. And then Lonely Among Us was number six. And Last Outpost number four. So it doesn't address my other issue. It which would have is been Code of Honor this, than this. This starts... In such a another shore leave from original series knockoff way, where it's like we're going down to this planet, to which is justice. So I thought maybe they were avoid they were, but it's like two episodes ago was justice. Yeah. So if it was five, then it would have been two episodes before justice. But this is before justice. I know, uh, but I wonder if they moved this so it was after justice because they both are about going down to a planet. To get some rest but in and relaxation. Both, in both cases, they never do. But uh, but the setup. So they is the never same. get their rest and relaxation. So they're going to need to get rest and relaxation at some point. Mm, this might play into an indie theory at some point. Well, well. I'm saying it as though it does, but it doesn't. <laughs> um, all right. I may have I may have over overplayed my hand on the amount of letters I'm doing this week. Uh, early in the last podcast episode, I'm in a turbo <laughs> lift. I'm out of here. <laughs> Marcel Smith writes us. I like the name Marcel. What is happening? Where are we? What is that one? That was the turbo lift stopping. Oh. Now it's going again. (laughs) And what little ding was that, Matthew? (laughs) What sound for the Enterprise was that? That was the sound (laughs) of... (laughs) Was that Picard getting an email? (laughs) That was was actually us getting a text message. Um, early in the latest podcast, you were talking about Q's powers, why they can't seem to see the future. Is Q actually a time lord? Marcel writes us. The doctor can't change specific events because they're set in time, and he also can't stop his own regeneration. Is it possible Q can't change his own timeline and is unable to look at his own future? That's interesting. And uh, just to cover this last Q thing, um, I wasn't sure if you were aware, but way back in the 80s, this is from Melissa Urbanski. We know a lot about being back in the 80s. Back in the 80s. Oh, gosh, we've written that millions of times. John Delancey was a cast member of Days of Our Lives. Did you know this? Uh, Probably at some point, but had forgotten completely. Where he played an inventor named Eugene Bradford. This is amazing. On the show, Eugene invented a time machine, if I remember correctly. Wait, what? Days of Our Lives had a time machine? (laughs) Well, they did crazy stuff on soap operas. Spoiler alert, Andy. Eugene disappeared mysteriously when his time machine exploded. Next thing I knew, I remembered seeing John Delancey on Star Trek uh, Next Generation as Q. I like to think that someone on Days of Our Lives writing staff got the down low on John Delancey's career trajectory and wrote that into Days, Days of Our Lives canon. That would be implausible, but a delightful theory. <laughs> All right. Uh, prime corrective. That wasn't the prime corrective? I just read the one thing that but was But we all order. just got corrected. Uh, yes. Is that a correction? Oh, boy. I think it was more of a... St- look, if we had theme songs and outros for each thing, then it would be clearer to know. Although I will say for futures, do you want prime corrective theme song to be within the letters or at the end of the letters i think any letters that are correcting us which 
all of those were. Were they? Minus the one that tells us. I feel like they were attitudes about Q more than corrections. I think they were corrections. All right. I think that anything that is correcting us. So really, it's on us for being so wrong all the time. I feel like you're saying for me being wrong. No, us. Oh, wrong in terms of the corrections. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, anyway, in this podcast, toward the end, you called the Enterprise a flagship. That is only true if they have a commanding admiral on board for a specific task. No. Well, they quote the, this uh, David Rishu, uh quotes, the ship that carries the commander of a fleet or subdivision of a fleet and flies the commander's flag. Yeah. There's a secondary definition of flagship that doesn't apply to a military vessel, which I think probably will apply. No, here's the The thing. finest, largest, or most important one of a series network or chain, the company's flagship store. Anyway, just a tiny knit. I served on a flagship for two years in the Navy before you come you up against didn't, because them. the naval flagship is the USS Constitution. It has been the flagship since the 1800s, and it's docked in Charleston, Massachusetts. It's, and it's, it's not the Navy flagship, and it's made of wood. And it's not carrying the commander of a fleet? <laughs> no. Oh, sure, right? It's made of wood. Oh. <laughs> That's the Navy's flagship. All right. I'm up against the Navy guy. Wow, you are coming up against all the professionals. I'm just telling you. Look it up. I'm talking about Star Trek, bro. It's impressive. Um, and the last letter is from our friend Christopher Clement. Um, Chris, if you want to let me know how to pronounce your name. Oh, my gosh. I quit Pic- that. I don't Picard, know why that happened Picard there. Picard just got another text. Matt and Andy, you talked about a scene in Hide and Q where Captain Picard is trapped on his own bridge. And Matt made the assertion that Picard can't even get to a replicator. Well, just after the scene down on the planet with Riker, Geordi, and Data, admiring more skills reconnaissance, they come back uh, to Picard walking in to find Q in his ready room, where a replicator is in the corner. While we haven't yet heard Picard's catchphrase, T, Earl Grey hot, there are a good number of times he will order his favorite beverage from the replicator in his ready room. Cheers, Christopher Clement. Although, something occurs to me, now, they don't, that, that is true, they're in the ready room, and he's looking at and he's looking at uh, um, the Shakespeare book, but how do they get into the ready room? Aren't there sliding doors that have not that are not opening? Yes. So they shouldn't even be in there unless. Well, I mean, you can override the sliding doors. Oh, you can. Yeah, and like pull them open what forcibly. Picard do that earlier. I don't know. Well, what's he going to do? Go to a, a turbo lift that doesn't work? I guess it's true. The USS Enterprise served as the flagship of the Federation of Starfleet from 2364 to 2371. Oh, boy. Bring it! Oh, boy. Taking on the Navy, man. I mean, it was only mentioned in the following episodes. The Icarus Factor, Sarek, The High Ground, Remember Me, Ensign Row, Man of the People, Chain of Command Part 1, Starship Mind, Force of Nature, Parallel, Star Trek Generations, and the Deep Space Nine episode, Bar Association. You done messed up, Rishu. While commanding the USS Sunderland, Data made continuous reports to the Enterprise D, the flagship of the Armada. Uh, oh, wait. You know what uh, this is an appropriate time for? Matt's Standard Defense. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just got taken down by Myra. Very impressive, Mr. Myra. Well, what is this sound? Frequencies closed, sir. I got a hail in frequencies closed. Uh, sound effect from Chris Clement. Uh, oh boy! Yeah.
Although it's a little creepy, I gotta say. <laughs> Handling pigments is close. Yeah, it feels like there's trouble. That was great. Yeah. Uh, we were into the show proper. Now. Here we are, guys. We're talking about Haven. This is uh, production number 105. As we said earlier, the fifth episode to be written for this first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. And it aired the week of November 30th, 1987. Andy, what happened on that date? I'm not prepped for it. (laughs) (laughs) What day? November 30th, 1987. (laughs) Also known as star date 41294.5. All right. It was Monday under the sign of Sagittarius. The U.S. president was Ronald Reagan. I'm going to leave out the Ronald Reagan thing. Um, in that special week, uh, people in the U.S. were listening to Heaven is a Place on Earth. I love Belinda Carlisle, FYI. I love the Go-Go's. She was so beautiful. Uh, oh, gosh, that was kind of a horrible thing to say. She's still a beautiful, beautiful woman. I'm almost <laughs> positive that Belinda does not listen to this podcast. Although, I wouldn't be so sure. Really? Uh, she might be listening to this podcast. She's a huge Andy Secunda fan. I think Jane Wheatland is more likely to be a geek that would listen to the podcast. Yeah. Hey, maybe do that and then turn it down a little bit and I'll continue. In UK, uh, China... Oh, China in Your Hand by Tapao was still in the top five hits. <laughs> well, of course it was. It was only a week ago. <laughs> um, oh, this is where we're going to run into trouble. Planes, trains, and automobiles still... Uh, still number one at the box office. Holding holding strong over Thanksgiving weekend. And the Tommy Knockers by Stephen King was one of the best-selling books. Chorus. That's it. I mean, wow. there's more below, but that's the. Uh, I should probably do my research in advance. I love it. I listened to that song way too much, and honestly, I don't know in retrospect if uh, if her solo work had any of the uh, any of the uh, quality of the, the Go Go's. But um, but I do. She was just so pretty. <laughs> that's great, Andy. This episode was directed by Richard Compton. <laughs> Teleplay by Tracy Torres. I just, I just essentially said that to ten-year-old Andy. It's like, buddy, <laughs> took a shot at me. It's okay. <laughs> I just imagine you with your uh, Sony Walkman playing it, riding your bike around Manhattan. Too accurate. <laughs> it's kind of a good, interesting. It's an interesting yeah. combination of Heaven things. Is place on Earth. That on the one hand, I'm a mean street for a mean kid for the street for the mean kid from the mean streets of Manhattan, and on the other hand, I'm listening to Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> Most likely going to get mugged again that day. You probably were riding into the Bronx to play stickball with your buddies. <laughs> we grow up in the 30s. <laughs> you had your Mickey Mantle baseball card and your spokes, so it sounded like a motorcycle. Hey, guys, let's sneak into Yankee Stadium. <laughs> My dad told me I could hit dingers. First, we got to give out these newspapers. <laughs> Uh, teleplay by Tracy Torme, story by Tracy Torme, and Lon Okun. This is the first appearance of Major Barrett as Loxana Troy. And here is your episode synopsis. At Planet Haven, Picard and his crew meet up with Loxana Troy, Deanna's mother, who blusters aboard when her late husband's best friends, the Millers, insist on seeing the childhood genetic bonding vows consummated between Deanna and their son, Wyatt. Deanna dutifully agrees and comes to find Wyatt a good companion, much to Imzadi Riker's confusion. Wyatt is puzzled because Diana is not the blonde he has seen in his vision since childhood, 
The wedding plans go on, despite the mother-in-law's comical feuding. Well, comical. Until a number of plague-ridden Torellians, long thought dead, show up at the Haven. Wyatt, a doctor, finds the blonde girl of his visions is a Torellian. She had pictured him in her dream for years as well without knowing why. Wyatt apologizes to Deanna and shocks his parents by following his perceived destiny at last, joining the Torellians to help them and his love find a cure. Picard is glad to get his counselor back and to see Loxana's flustering flirtations end. Ay, ay, ay. This episode was a fun, dumb episode. Um, okay. Yes, fair. There was a fun, dumb middle part of the episode. I mean, it was dumb. It was dumb. Very but it was, dumb. But yes, it was, it was a light. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a light, frothy affair. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I do, yeah. I don't know. We're going to get into it. Hit the captain's log. Oh, <laughs> Hang on, I'm not ready. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't know what mistake we're up to. 407. (laughs) Winner, Andy. Oh, dear. Uh, I hit the wrong button. um, It's not... It's kind of... It was it was fine. It's like now at this point, I'm just judging the coherence level of every episode. Um... But uh, I think I wanted more to happen. In as far as the B story or the action, because I found the B story interesting. I'd love to hear about the Torellians a little bit more. I think maybe the the the, the only the only thing that started to get to me is it's it's uh, often in a television show you'll come up with great plots, but it'll be like, well, it doesn't really deal with our main characters. We're following these other people. Mm And uh, I used to kind of be like, yeah, but let's follow the interesting thing. And now I kind of see the wisdom of that the audience subconsciously, if not consciously or unconsciously, um, want to stay with the main characters. And I definitely felt that about this because I did not like Wyatt as a character. Captain's log started 41294.5. Our destination, the Class M Beta Cassius planet known simply as Haven. It is a world so renowned for its peaceful beauty that some believe it to have mystical healing powers. We will rest and relax. All too briefly, I fear. Why would you fear that? He just, he's already, that's that's classic Picard, already thinking about the end of the vacation. He already (laughs) knows that they are doomed to have something happen oh that's true how does he know i don't know he's got a spidey sense uh so yeah star trek's full of these uh, pleasure planets these 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 oasis in the sea of yeah. the galaxy <laughs> <laughs> um what is the plural of oasis uh gets oasises that can't be right anyway here's wonderwall um, <laughs> Oasis, Oasises, um, o- Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an herb. I am told to smoke by a wise Native American. Do you have anything to say? Because I'm going to go to my first clip. Go to your know. first clip. I got nothing to say. All right. Oh, 
I just asked you what, what the plural of Oasis was. So we go into, and, and Riker is, so that, that was my first cue that you had nothing else to say. Um, we go to the to Riker. <laughs> Watching, I think masturbating? I, I think is he's that a, what's happening? I think he's about to get he's it about on. To get like it he's on. about to get it on. And this to, is the thing. First of, first off, he's about to why is he in his, his room looking at these harp ladies, these tiny harp ladies, leaning back? Just luxuriating Maybe himself. Maybe he's looking at the Belinda Carlisle of 2372. I, I would never masturbate to Belinda Carlisle. <laughs> no, but I'm saying like, oh, maybe that's he's the like, equivalent. I'm going to listen to this awesome new hot track from my favorite harp group, Harp. That's, that's interesting. That was what was going on there. Maybe. That would have been amazing if they got Belinda Carlisle for a little cameo <laughs> playing a harp. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then he gets interrupted, and he cannot... He cannot handle it. Just this is what he's watching them play. Yes, just leaning back his eyes. Commander Riker. Your presence is requested in transporter room one. <sighs> Rolls his eyes. Totally PO'd. Sorry, ladies. Duty call. I wonder where those harp ladies are today. No one else wonders that. Yes, sir. There's an object of some kind beaming in from Haven. What is it? We're not sure. Both of these people are totally pissed off. And (laughs) also, Riker is constantly pissed off on the starship. Well, he's pissed off in this episode because that's his... um... Yeah, but this is before he knows what the deal is. I know, but I think he was given a direction and they shot out of order. Oh, you're thinking... (laughs) Wait, are you thinking that that he he uh, what what do you mean? I think they earlier they shot a different scene where he was supposed to be pissed off because his girl's getting married. And then and he, he just carried that emotion through as a performer. Well, you I you're not giving uh, uh, Mr. Frakes very much credit as an actor that he well, can't make the adjustment. I think the, it was chaos the first season of Star Trek. So he you're saying seen. he didn't even know. It's not on him. Nah, maybe he's he smiling. Was, maybe he's smiling getting, at the top of that scene. He's maybe he was getting himself. pages as they were being written. <laughs> I also, as a side note, writing-wise, what is the relevance? But here's the question one. Yeah. Why is he not, if this is some kind of weird chilling out with a bunch of ladies around you, why is he not in the holodeck and just has them feeding him grapes minimally <laughs> in the holodeck? Well, I'm supposing that that's not what he's doing. He's just listening to I'm music. I'm telling you that he's just watching and listening to music. Okay. That's that's my supposition. But even if you're doing that, that's why not? That's Sony Walkman. But why not have it be in the environment? How, how, how much access, I don't know if we want to get into this. It seems like this is something for later. But how much access does each crew member have? And how much time does each crew member get in the holodeck? Because I imagine and that Who mops be, the holodeck floor? Well, that's a separate question. Because as soon as you say end program, whatever matter you've dropped in there is going to fall to the floor. <laughs> just, just sperm dropping. Oh, gosh. The holodeck's clogged again. What do you mean clogged? <laughs> See, sir, the hollow emitters can't break past the... Never mind. Barkley! Uh, the holodeck is like a terrible um, um, jacuzzi. It's disgusting. Um... Anyway, so that was question one, and then question two. I don't remember. Greatest podcast ever. Um, so, okay, uh, let me well, skip uh, ahead. Was it about, like, fucking Troy's crazy reaction? 
Uh, I think before we even get a hundred percent, before we even get to that, I want to get to to uh, Tasha's crazy reaction. What's going on? There's a Jim Henson creature here. That's Armin Shimmerman who played Quark, the Ferengi. No. No. What's going on? Jewels. Look at these jewels. It's amazing. They're bonding gifts. What you would call wedding presents. You humans. Um, yeah, it's hilarious that they chose this this weird uh, low grade Jim Henson face to announce it. Um, and that her reaction is no, no. I like the announcement. <laughs> you like the announcement. I did not like her reaction to it. <laughs> and then the fact that the jewels come out, and Tasha Yar is just she's like Gollum in that she's moment. Gollum, to... by the way, uh, Matt is a, a creature. I understand. From, okay, derived well, from hobbits. Only became a creature after well, the ring right, turned him into that creature. It was all his greed that just, really. You just read this on Wiki. Um, I've so. seen the movies. Oh, I've have. never read the book. I see. Okay. And didn't care for the movies? Did not enjoy the movies. Saw them all in one day. Well, the books give it a little bit more weight. Oh, is that true? You saw them all in one day. That seems like a punishing way to start. Well, you know, Return of the King had come out, and everyone was like, we're going to Return of the King. I was like, oh, fuck, okay, I better watch these. Oh, well, see, I see. This is the same thing as me judging 24 when I watch 24 all in one day. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to enjoy that. (laughs) Anyway, Tasha is in the, even in the back of the shot. When they cut back to her and she's in the background, she's still like running the jewels through her fingers. And I'm like, what's going on with she's Tasha? She's probably taking them like it's like a natural reaction for her to like, I'm going to need these to barter away the rape gangs. Yeah, I, perhaps. There's so much, as we've established, to me, this goes into the uh, uh, Tasha has emotional disorders. And we're going to see a lot of it theory. Andy's theory. Um, and... Uh, and then Troy uh, has a weird uh, has a weird reaction, and um, my next thing is not until five thirty. You got some before that? Um, I have it just before that. I just would like to hear the whole ready room discussion. What okay. happened, Captain? The years I'd spend on this mission, the distance it has taken me away from home, as you must have heard. Genetic bonding is a Betazoid tradition. Stephen Miller was my father's closest friend. Your father was human, Deanna. The Millers are human. Will you and your husband be staying with the ship, Counselor? No, sir. It's the Troy quitting music. Then... I'll just say congratulations for now, Diana. You really hear the ricketiness of the set in the (laughs) shoe leather right there. (laughs) I love this lean that Riker does. It's amazing. In the world, anything. You want to be a starship captain, true? That's not all I want, Diana. I can feel that. 
I know you care within those limits. Did you hear what I said? Every word. This whole thing is still bizarre. I'm sorry. Come dance at my wedding. I'll try. I'm not a very good dancer. Computer, harps. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. The way he storms out is, all right, I'm going to go jerk it to my harp, Message ladies. Message Planet Haven, counselor. They wish to beam the Miller wedding party aboard. Data, you're third in command of the ship. Why did you walk into the ready room to tell me this? <laughs> Who's it <at> ops? <laughs> Not to mention we could just tell you over the comm. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, for Riker leaning against the wall like a sulking teenager is amazing. And I, I would like to think that the... Uh, I'd like to think that, that a director forced it on poor Frakes. That would be a fun meme. <laughs> Riker leaning against the wall. It would be a good one. Yeah. Folks, get it out get there. Get on there. Um, I, I will say I like about this scene, even though there's a, a lot of weird moments, um, uh, I like that it's an exploration of a relationship where two adults aren't bullshitting each other about mm-hmm. their feelings. And I kind of feel like it's what it's how they should be handling Troy in general is is um they always kind of play everyone as like vaguely surprised that Troy has read their emotions or just like wait no yeah and i feel like in this scene um R- Riker is talking to her like i know that you know everything that's in my head and in my feelings mm-hmm. and so we don't have to fucking we can just get right to the conversation that that is the subtext, which is a fascinating way to approach it dramatically. That's and how rarely Andy wants do. life to be. I don't know if I would be comfortable with that, frankly. <laughs> 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 I think I like people to pussyfoot around my feelings. <laughs> um, as long as I can say whatever I want. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I would like to now play the introduction of a character we will come to know. And tolerate Luxana Troy. Do can I ask before you get into that? Yeah. Is generally in uh next gen fandom are people positive or negative on Luxana? Is that how you pronounce it? She's uh she's exactly how she is on, on this. She's that character. She's just, you know, eccentric people, weirdo people are who is always hitting on Picard. Amused so like, but irritated. It's a it's a it's always a fun uh, sidestep from the stuffiness okay. of the ship. My mother is a little eccentric. Bye, Andy. <laughs> See you the show, guys. Oh, I hate that. <sighs> I love that she was turned around in the inter- on the transporter. Yeah, what is that? She was turned around and she, she goes, facing the she's wrong like way. facing the wrong way. She goes, I hate that. <laughs> like that happens to her a lot. Like she's <laughs> just turned the wrong way for beaming. I enjoyed that. Anyway. No, mother. No, don't say it. Think it. Use your mind, not your mouth. Hello, mother. Diana, shame. What has this life done to you? No, no, no. Don't tell me. You're the captain. Of course, your daughter has explained your telepathic abilities. Now, that wasn't telepathy, it was just common sense. Who else would they send to greet me but the captain? Oh, you may carry my luggage. Mother, 
No, no, that's quite all right. I'm indebted to your mother for the fine counselor she... Physical comedy from Patrick Stewart. This way. <laughs> and then I love the corridor scene where everyone sees the cat that's struggling with luggage. Do you seem to be having difficulty? You know, a man your age must work to keep himself in shape. Mother, I'm not... <laughs> Did you see... If you go back and watch that, that's that happens at about, uh, let's say, 10 minutes into the episode, 10.03. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the acting of LaForge and Data yeah. is crazy. The way they look up and away from it. Have you, have you? I do. I do remember it very clearly. And they and they. It, it's it's kind of a little bit on like. Well, why even have them? Yes, I was thinking that, that too. Point. I was like, did that make their call time that much earlier that they had? To oh, play that game? must have annoyed them. That's a really good point. <laughs> Actors have to hang around for hours if they're even in the background of a scene. Oh, it's terrible. What? Uh, what does Jordy do in this episode? Does he do anything? Does he say anything? Uh, so a lot of people not. Worf isn't in this episode. Worf is not in this episode, nor is um, Wesley. Oh, right. Wesley isn't either. Uh, so I did do a little research since we're on the topic of um, Worf that Worf started, and I think I've said this before um, that he it was originally planned for Dorn to appear in seven out of the first 13 episodes, but after appearing in the pilot, it was decided to expand him. Expand the role to add him to the main cast. But based on a couple of episodes where Worf doesn't appear, I, I have to assume that some reduction in the amount of episodes they had for him still existed. Otherwise, why wouldn't you use every one of your people that you have? Does does Worf still have to... Does Michael Dorn still get paid? Uh, you Well, if you're if like 7 out of 13, cast? you only get paid for 7 episodes. Right, but if he was in the main cast... If you're in the main cast, you get paid for every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get paid for all the episodes they're going to pay you for. So the thought is, we'll use them. Yeah. Um, but it may have just been part of the general chaos of that first season. And uh, the Gene Roddenberry's lawyer saying, I don't care. We get him out of this episode. Michael Dorn said something mean to me in the hallway. He's done. <laughs> Why does he talk like that? I don't know. He's a lawyer. <laughs> oh, that was the lawyer? That was the lawyer. That was a good that was a good that lawyer. I was trying to do a seventies or an eighties Hollywood lawyer. That was great. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Thanks. I gotta dig up that guy's name. <laughs> or should I just refer to him as Gene Roddenberry's lawyer and not dignify him? Um, has refused any attempt at communication. Are you saying you believe it to be hostile? Failure to communicate is inherently hostile. We have no defensive capabilities here, and our treaty with the Federation specifies your obligations in that matter. Agree. Which producer was fucking her? (laughs) I hope it was Rick Berman. (laughs) But let's hope it doesn't become a defense matter. Of course, Captain. But I'm very happy we have you here. Sexy. Um, I have an issue about this. Oh, God damn it. Well, that just, that was the, the, let's just talk about the B plot for a second here. Okay. This Torellian ship uh, appears heading in at sub light speed. Uh And the Torellians have had a biological weapon unleashed on them Uh and a plague and are 
essentially, this is like the only remaining Torellians are on board this ship carrying this plague heading for a planet, a peaceful planet. Right. So, I think the stakes are pretty high. It is. And it's also a really good, uh, yeah, it's a classic, uh, solid Star Trek moral quandary. Yeah. Of if they're not a a, um, a hostile fleet... But they have this problem on the ship. Do you just leave them stranded in in space forever? Um, and um, we don't really address it that much. Well, it's also like the, it's a, it's a huge deal. I think it's a huge problem for mm-hmm. this beautiful planet to. You know, chances are everyone will die if they reach the planet, and yet they still have a wedding reception. A rehearsal dinner. <laughs> they chit chat about things. Sure. Wyatt talks about how he's a doctor, mostly with his arms crossed awkwardly. That's exactly what he's doing right now in this paused image on my screen. He's doing it constantly, and he does it in the most. I mean, Riker is a is a is constantly also crossing his arms in an odd way. I don't know if it's the uniforms, but uh, but. But Wyatt is just like, just constantly guarding his personal space. Can I uh, digress for one tiny thing, which is uh, this conversation with Troy and Luxana? Thing to avoid a quarrel on this occasion. It's amazing how that accent of yours reminds me of your father. Your last valet tried so hard to rid me of it. Whatever happened to Mr. Zelo? So then you go into this other thing about Zelo looking at, uh, <laughs> lusting after Luxana. But the, uh, but here's my question. So it has been addressed amongst our, our, our tweets and such that Troy has this odd accent. Then you hear the mom, you hear Majel Barrett's rendition. I'm sure she just chose not to do an accent. Mm-hmm. And then they explain it, mm-hmm. which I get. But then you hear the electoring of the planet, and she has the same accent or some some other weird, non-distinct like a French accent foreign accent. So you're just saying it's a she French just act. happens to have a different. I'm saying accent. she was a French actress who was promised a part in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know anything about Star Trek. Well, you don't have to. I'm I, not an is, actress, you know. Yes. I just work in the bar. But you're going to play a beautiful alien creature. No, right? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to my place. <laughs> All right, Mister Berman. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, this episode, let's talk about the fun. Okay, so I like the B story. I wish the story was about the B story. I agree. Uh, the, how should I talk about, we should probably reset here, talk about this Torellian uh, plague. Okay. My next That's a possible is... answer. Damage vessel, sir. That could explain it. If it was unable to reach warp speed, it would have taken all these years to get here. Go on with your briefing, Mr. Data. Torella was class M, much like your Earth, with similar humanoid life forms. Unfortunately, they faced the old story of hatred overpowering intelligence. There were hostilities? Between the inhabitants of their two land masses, resulting in one group unleashing a deadly biological weapon on the other. And in the end, the other becoming infected as well. Makes one question the sanity of humanoid forms. Can you identify like the origin of the infection, Doctor? Preach, the Torellians had preach, reached preach, Earth's preach. late 20th century level of knowledge. That's all you need if you're a damned fool. A deadly infectious virus, which at that modest level of knowledge is not difficult to grow. We learn the rest of the story in security training. 
Some Torellians made it to other worlds only to die along with the populations they infected. It's pretty well covered in academy training now, Captain. Many of them tried to avoid other civilized worlds as they escaped only to be hunted down and destroyed anyway. Yes, he did have a line. And it was believed that the last Torellian ship was destroyed eight years ago by the Alcyons. Yes, sir. Exactly when will they reach Haven? Exactly. 13 hours, 9 minutes, 22 seconds, 350,000. Thank you. Which creates a very difficult problem for the Enterprise. Our treaty requires us to protect Haven, and Federation policy requires that we assist life forms in need. Which must include the Turalians. I shall want you to help me find some answers. Thank you. However, there will be ample time for your second assignment. Voluntary, of course. The pre-joining announcement of Counselor Deanna Troy. Riker walks. Can't take it. And Wyatt Miller. (laughs) Picard finishes his sentence. (laughs) Um... I don't know. I'd have my crew working on the deadly plague heading towards the planet <laughs> and not so much on the pre-joining ceremony. Picard loves Deanna a wedding. Troy and Wyatt he, Miller. He can't, he's so excited about a wedding. Also, the hairdos that they decide are <laughs> dinner dues. Tasha's in particular. I mean, why? I feel like Tasha's. I feel like Tasha maybe has never been to a wedding before. <laughs> That's like, I'm going to do a crazy wedding. Hair. Hair. Also, Data is in this episode, in this, in this scene... This is a this is a crazy scene. Are you in the shit show? I'm in the shit show. Yeah. Um, do you have a specific part of the shit show you like, or do you, um, are you just shit showing it up? Uh, I was going to go to twenty five fifty, but I don't. Uh... Twenty five fifty. That's farther, way farther ahead in the shit show than I am. All right, then you you pick a part. I don't care. No, no, no. My my. I think. I, I mean, have... we don't need to hear these mother in laws bickering back and forth. That is something we've seen a thousand times. All right. I like this lounge that they're in, though, that has the United Federation of Planets logo on the back. Would you like a a lounge like that in your house? No, but I would like that wall. (laughs) Considering the rate at which you imbibe, sir, is your lineage at all mixed with human? Why does Mr. Hom look so different? Is he supposed to be a Betazoid? No, I, he's a he's probably a race of valets. <laughs> a valet race. That sounds like slaves. You mean slaves? No, I mean valets. <laughs> they were they were just born to be valets. I think maybe some species their purpose is to serve. Oh, that sounds like slaves to me. No, that's what they want to do. They're highly See, compensated. I feel like this is some kind of horrible overlord justification. They have a pre-joining ceremony with their client. Uh, anyway, what a dumb joke. Very dumb. Is your lineage human? Because Because Data wouldn't think that. Well, it's just like... By the way... You're telling me that of all the species you've come across humans drink the most <laughs> right um mr hom clearly is drinking urine by the way i mean I they could have picked something else our sick bay is at your disposal doctor thank you my arms aren't crossed i don't know why mr data 
Sir, you're circling the room like a buzzard. Perhaps being human yourself, sir, you do not find them as intriguing as I. Must he do that? We're going to have that play throughout as this episode. As you well know, it is the Beta Z way of giving thanks for the food we eat. You giving thanks? Besides, you never did this before. I do it now. Unlike some people, I am in growth. Let's just hear the I'm blow. True, up. I don't. Stop this petty bickering, all of you, especially you, mother. Yeah. She is. She goes real far. <laughs> what is that? She's under control a lot of the time. Does she have a midground? I feel like I don't know if this is a a uh, a choice by the actress. I feel like she's mostly extremely under control, and yeah. then if she's going to express emotion, it goes way. Big. I think that's beta Z. Just beta Zs are beta Zoids. Beta Zoids are very fiery, and then it's almost like a like a Vulcan thing where they got to keep it under control yeah. the rest of the time. Yeah. Although we do meet some, we do meet some more empaths uh-huh. later in the series, and and they're real weirdos. Yeah, especially that Tin Man episode. Oh boy, we'll get there. Right. We don't want to get there, but we'll get there. Okay. Um. Uh, you also skipped over a, a, a Tasha moment that I found amusing. I'd oh, be interested yeah. in the Beta Z ceremony you mentioned. Could you tell us more? Well, I'd be delighted, Commander. It's an ancient ceremony, widely regarded as the most beautiful in the universe. After the young couple have removed their clothing, the bride and groom go naked? All <laughs> guests must go on. <laughs> Talk about a, a child. I feel like Tasha Yar. And, you know, we've had an Andy's theory that she's got a lot of emotional disorders. So she's grabbing the she's grabbing the jewels. She's flipping out like, they're going to be naked. <laughs> like Jewels. What? Gross. <laughs> naked adults. Ugh. She's out of control every second. <laughs> There's another moment later, but I guess we'll get to it. Um... So then we're on the. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go into the holodeck. She runs off to the holodeck. Yeah, which is what you do when you blow up at a group, including the captain and your mother. Well, Riker's, uh, I think, is the guy who's in the holodeck, and then she comes in. Oh right. Um, and let's just cue it up like a professional podcast. Cue it up. Oh. So Riker's out there looking at the sunset. I will miss you, Deanna. I'm no longer Mzadi to you. You taught me that word means my beloved. And the human heart is too small to permit that feeling now. Have you discussed this with Wyatt? I think you should. It's also damned unfair to me. It's not about you, buddy. I understand. Don't understand this. I should have realized. Humans... Young human males particularly have difficulty separating platonic love and physical love. The problem is, Imzadi, I couldn't. Not now. Call it an old, an old earth tradition, habit of the beasts, whatever. 
Habit of the Beasts. So I don't, I I don't understand even what Riker is. Uh, he's acting in this episode like they are currently going out or get, minimally getting it on. What? Like they haven't get been together on, for a long time. Get on, right? get on. <laughs> I wasn't no. sure which I think you're going to do. Let's get it on. <laughs> Um, so do you, they haven't been together? Obviously, right? they're not so together. They're, they're not a sign of the ship. I mean, then. he she's even trying to talk in the in the pilot. She she calls him Mzadi in their brain, and he doesn't even respond. He acts like chilly toward her. Like as far as I know, nothing's going on other than they've shown some concern for each other in dangerous situations. So what is suddenly this attitude? Um, I like that we find out that it's essentially a career thing. That that at some point, and she's really. She's kind of a dick to him. It's like, did you hear what I said about the captain thing in the earlier one, the earlier scene? It's because you wanted to be a captain. Did you hear me? Um, <laughs> and so it's, I like that we find out, okay, that's the reason that it didn't work out is Riker, and it fits the characters. <laughs> it's one of the rare moments where the, where the actions fit the motivations of the characters. Um, so I like that. But then what is he? Why is he all bent out of shape? I mean, he's butthurt. That's what it is. He's really just like, well, what about me? What about me? And your, what about your genetic? What? Why aren't we genetic? Well, it's a genetic <laughs> bonding ritual, right? Right. It's the thing that he has to have known that Beta Zeds have been that they do. He is so upset about it that he wasn't genetically bonded to her at some point. I, I, I don't know. Also, this character trait of Rikers right now it, it completely disappears. Oh, it does? When the they jealousy? To, when they, no, the wanting to be a Starfleet captain. What? Really? When they offer him command like five times and he turns it down. Oh, interesting. I would think that would be kind of built into him. Yeah, me too. Um, they offer him command. And it's obviously they have to keep him on the Enterprise for the TV show, but yeah, uh, but yeah that's interesting. He doesn't get not his own, Sulu doesn't get his own ship until Nemesis. I remember hearing uh, Shatner talk about uh, that that uh, disagreement with um, with George Takei um, that it's that that George Takei was like, I want my own command in the next ship, and uh, and Shatner was like, What do you mean? Don't you want to be on the sh- the action is going to be on the Enterprise? <laughs> It's sort of an interesting dispute because you it's you do think Sulu accurate. is cooler because he becomes yeah. a captain. Well, I mean, it's like Will said too. He didn't. They offered him like in order for him to stay on the show, they offered him to, that they would promote him to lieutenant commander, the character, and then Will was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what is that, that is what that is what such does a, that do for me? That is such a classic non-offer from a studio or a TV show." <laughs> All right, but we're going to give you this nameplate yeah, <laughs> in gonna, front of your t- in front of your office. We're going to promote your character. <laughs> okay, like, so how much more money? None, but your character. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> your uniform will look slightly different. Jonathan Frake sounds cool. <laughs> he does. Do you, you must you must have interviewed him many times. No, uh, once, once on um, Attack of the Show. Who are we going after first? Well, I think I'm I'm being wildly optimistic. FYI, <laughs> my, my for a tiny podcast, my white whale is Gates McFadden. I've not Gates McFadden, the only one I haven't. Oh, I should knock off all my Beverly has a learning disability issues. Well, I think it's true. 
By the way, I adjust that theory later in the show. <laughs> um, okay. All right. Let's talk about the Torellian ship situation. Again, seems eminent. Oh, before you go on that, yeah. uh, I just want to hear Troy. Actually, it's not Troy. It's Wyatt. Um, just to give you a little taste of what was bugging me in this episode. Some of us still go naked. You do. I do. Your mother, my father, but not my mother or the guests. Captain Picard will be very relieved. How did you manage it? Your mother relented. (laughs) Arms crossed. (laughs) And I just caught my father practicing naked in front of his mirror. (laughs) (laughs) That is, according to what we know of Star Trek, that is the funniest thing that's ever been said. Based on the reaction of people 100%. in the show, that's sure. the hardest anyone's laughed on this show. It's really, it's really gross. This guy is such a theatrical douche. He really gets under my skin. He really is a theater guy, huh? So theatery. Yeah, could not be more theatery. Yeah. What? 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 Did he end up doing? Did you look him up? I never bothered. You know what? I started to do a deep dive on him, and he's just uh, he's just a uh, a classic journeyman actor. He was in Heroes. He was he's all the way up. Yeah, I assume he started to play villains at a certain point based on his demeanor. Mm-hmm. But there was nothing that stood out to me as um, oh, he was this guy. You might see something crazier. Do you want to track it down? I don't have it in front of me. Well, what do you want? His IMDb. I guess that would be the thing for you to see. I don't, I don't. Oh, maybe no. I don't know. This is something else. Um, sorry, folks. I I did do. I did start to look at it, and it was like, yeah. I also actually wondered if the. I thought the mother was um, White's mother was um, the woman um, was a woman from Airplane, the movie. But I was incorrect. What was she in? She was another journeyman actor that just had a million things. There was nothing. There was the po- nothing. The popularity, side characters the popularity and, rank of Star Trek: The Next Generation mm, on IMDb. Yes, television. So you know how IMDb goes, like from I don't know. Think of it. Think of an obscure television show that you used to watch as a child. Um, Super Train, Auto Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, both uh, we both had very valid answers there. <laughs> oh, it's not even ranked. Auto Man might be. <laughs> that's, ranked. that's not really fair. It was only like seven episodes. <laughs> you mean like one that lasted uh, a bit? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so Auto Man is the four four thousand sixteenth ranked show. Okay. Of like people looking at it on IMDb, Star Trek: The Next Generation is ranked one hundred and forty seven. So it's still people are. Often going to it. 141. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? I'd be actually curious to know what the what the ones way ahead of that are. Uh, can I look at this list? No, I can't. Oh, well, that's weird. Um, yeah. Well, Let's then just... we should have... Oh, by the way... We should we we don't really push people to give us get their friends to give us good reviews and ratings and well I think because of the quality of the show we're putting out <laughs> really deserve so you feel guilty asking for good reviews yeah the popularity of the Goldbergs is <laughs> what one twenty four oh no 
So we should just be doing a Goldberg's podcast, and we'd be more educated to us. Well, maybe not like you, we but we should be. Um, uh, nothing personal, Gold Nerds. We do a fine podcast, um, but we do a better job. I don't think that's accurate. No, we would. We'd really put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> I don't think that's accurate at all. I think that's their. That's like seventy-four uh, percent of their lives. How is how? <laughs> How everyone's credited with 89 episodes of the Goldbergs yeah. right now because that's how many there have aired, uh, except Wendy, who has 95 episodes to her credit. I don't understand how that's possible. Hmm. She's definitely in every episode. There's no yes, question. but like so is Patton. IMDb. Get your shit together, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, what's your next thing? My next thing is... Uh, uh, I wanted to talk about the Trillian Plague a little bit. Great. We're showing a responder echo, sir, on the frequency they once used. We have a message, sir, coming in from Haven. On viewer. Captain, the plague ship is approaching transporter range. We are aware of that, Electorine. Do you realize that they can turn this wonderful world of ours into a graveyard? Please. Please take action now before it's too late. We recognize your situation. Please destroy them now. We will not fire on them, Electorine. You must. All right. She's, a, she's emoting Wait, a little let, bit let, let, let uh, Tasha get disable their ship with the phaser burst, Captain. And then, Lieutenant? That's all. Then <laughs> uh, it's disabled, and we solved the problem, sir? <laughs> Oh, see, I'm on Captain Picard's thing because a second later, um, they just put the tractor beam on it. Why does, why does Tasha not know that that's the other option? I feel like Tasha is, is always wants to shoot things. And this was the moment that I went, hey, where's Worf? Because Worf is usually the one that wants to shoot things even more than Tasha. Uh, okay, so they do they do that. They put the tractor beam on, solving all problems. Yeah. What would you like to? What would you like to play? Oh, I thought you were going to explore the Trillian issues. Um, I mean, for me, it's just then. Then the next thing is we see the Trillians, and um, and they are wearing these bright blue flowy blouses and halter tops. They kind of look like a, a dinner theater production of Pippin. It's like this crazy, uh, and they're all standing around weirdly on the bridge um, of this the ship that actually looks. I guess I kind of like that it looks almost a little bit like old school Star Trek because they've been stranded in space forever. It was her first credit, the Torellian, and uh, she's Swiss, Swiss. So that's a she looks like Swiss accent. She looks like she's fifty, by the way. In comparison to Wyatt, who looks youthful. Oh, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about the trolley. I'm talking about the um, Haven planet. Oh, oh, you're doing. You're figuring out who the lady is. The Electrine. The Electrine. Yes. Uh, she was in a bunch of Boardwalk Empire. Really? Yeah. So she's still working. What's her name? And she's a, played a Vulcan Council member in 2009 Star Trek. Uh, around. Anna Katarina. That's a beautiful name. It is indeed. She's also in The Dictator. <laughs> the Dictator. <laughs> um, she plays Poodle Lady in Batman Returns. And 
plays Elizabeth in the movie The Game. It's funny that a lot of the side characters like Argyle ended up in the Batman movies because they were the big things at the time. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't associate Next Generation and Batman at all, but I guess it was all in the same era. Um, okay, so my next thing is uh, is Beverly walking in. <laughs> uh, I got on it. I have it. 3728. I have it. Okay. Ready? Yep. Yeah. Am I ready? Oh, I missed it by... Four seconds. Here it is for real, you guys. Listen to that ship go. Wyatt? (laughs) Are you feeling all right? Just wetting nerves. The supplies are ready. I'll take them to the transporter room. I'll notify the captain they're ready. <laughs> oh, shit. That was it for me. Well, okay, so well, let's lead us to... Uh... Well, I have, I have an adjustment to a theory, and I don't know... Uh, you want me to play the whole Andy series thing? I sure do. All right. <laughs> Just pretending to be so dim. No one knows the answers. Least of all him, it's Andy's theories. So prior to that, uh, this, uh, I, my theory was that Beverly has a learning disability. Um, I've kind of adjusted it to okay. being that I think I think Beverly has Asperger's. <laughs> all right, because I think that it's. It's not just that she seems to miss stuff that's going on and has trouble absorbing information around her. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, and the sub the sub uh, theory obviously being that Wesley is uh, a brilliant psych- psychopath slash sociopath uh, yet to be determined um, that is engineering her entire rise in the Star Trek uh, Starfleet universe. Um, but she she misses stuff, but she also seems to miss human interaction. She like doesn't read the room ever. <laughs> She's always like, like being weirdly aggressive with Picard. She's as in her own, They're already she's in, in her, a, an argument. She's in her own medical world, right? She thinks of nothing but medicine and Wesley. It's a softer interpretation than my Asperger's theory, but uh, but that is uh, my theory. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. That's the best jingle, I think. <laughs> it really is effective. It it's never so leaves your brain. <laughs> short and so <laughs> sticky. <laughs> you know. Good job, Joe. Um yeah, I don't know if uh if there's <laughs> a whole different quick quick adjust quick like quick adjustment <laughs> theme song. Because <laughs> I feel like making people endure the whole long series. Do you have anything song. after the beam out? Um let's see. Dee, 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 dee. Um, no. Great. Uh, I have uh, the only thing that that is basically just a uh, Riker. Yeah. Uh, the the scene with Mister Hom 
and um, him speaking. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Do you have anything in that? That's those final scenes. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to play. Yeah, go ahead. I knew you would be this brave. How could you let this happen? My son, surrounded by how did they get on the bridge? Lepers. Mrs. Miller, if I could have yep. prevented this, I would. Beam him back. He can never come back, Mrs. Miller. You may turn off your tractor beam, Captain. We will not be going to Haven. We have what we really came for. Wyatt. Mother. Mother. Forgive me, but I must... I'm going to try to continue the work to cure these people. And why it will do it. I've believed that all along. I knew I was coming to Haven to meet my destiny. I thought it was to be with you, Deanna. This race looks so healthy. Yeah, they really do. Uh, that maybe they weren't infected with any plague whatsoever. They all just died of old age. They, what if the planet? What if the Torellians were so misinformed about how people died? Yeah, that they just assumed it was a disease that they were dying of, when in reality it was just old age. <laughs> they just didn't understand how the human body or, or how how humanoid bodies work. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, this must be a plague. Let's tell everyone. I'm dying. Look, I don't look the same as I do. Every planet we beam down to, we die. I look slightly older than I did ten years ago. I can't believe it. <laughs> I like it. And I'll tell you what, Matt. Mm. Matt's theory. Oh. Matt's. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> okay, let's have the goodbye of Loxana. Everyone's favorite moment in every show, and Loxana Troy is in a transporter room. such a shame to waste the whole trip. Perhaps I should stay and be joined to a new mate. What? Well, the captain's highly attracted to me, but he's a little too old. Perhaps I should choose you. He has other obligations, mother. Oh, very well. It's his loss. Mr. Holm. Andy, do you have a question? <laughs> Thank you for the drinks. <laughs> Everyone's surprised. I remember your heritage, little one. Captain, even Zeno never had such thoughts about me. You may energize. That was meant as a joke, Captain. I was not amused. So uh, Picard does not have any sexual feelings towards Luxon. No. Okay. So she's just messing with him the whole time. Yeah. Um, and um, Or does he? Well, I guess that's what I wonder. 
Um, I love it, Mr. Hom speaks, and it's just everyone's like, "Woo, he spoke!" That's it. I feel like the writers at that point were enamored. I understand why they would be enamored with Mr. Hom because he's such that actor is such a great physical presence that, frankly, I think was wasted on a valet character. Yes, <laughs> I feel like he's so scary and cool looking. Does he play? Um, oh yeah, that's the one I should have done the deep dive on. He's Lurch, quickly... right? He plays Lurch in the Adams Family movies. Oh, in the movies, yeah. Um, and he's IMDb is such a IMDb because he's really <laughs> slow. I didn't think it's hum. Okay, and this is played by. <laughs> Harold Strickin, that has got to be a foreign. Right. I bet you he barely spoke English, and that's the reason he didn't have a bigger part. That's not, you know what? That's not fair to tall people, what I just said. I feel like I said just tall, interesting people. He's born in The, in the Hague, the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, four years old, he moved to Krakow, the island of the Caribbean. Uh-huh. Um, okay, let's see. He was in. Oh, he was the giant in Twin Peaks. Uh huh. Of course. Um, so he definitely spoke uh, English, and that was an amazing. What an amazing. That's that's somebody. That's David Lynch, man, using an actor the way he should be used. That is great. Um, the rest of them look like a bunch of. He was in Charmed. Let me go back to the era we're talking about. Um. Yeah, he was, yes, he was Lurch in Adam's family. Yeah, all right. Good, good call. Um, I feel like he should have been in other stuff. He was a writer on something. Let's see what he was a writer on. Go West, young man. Good for you. He was an editor on something. <laughs> that is crazy to walk into an editing room and see that guy. <laughs> um, population one. I don't know what that is. Sounds interesting, though. Um, and he was in Should we do a podcast about Population One? And we'll call it Population Fun? Sure. No, you're supposed to say no. It's a terrible idea. I don't mind doing it. Less people would podcasts. listen to that than listen to this, and not a lot of people listen to this. You know what? Look, I gotta get some other podcasts going so I can so I can meet because I can meet up with you. Well, good luck. How many podcasts do you have? I don't know. I don't. I've, I don't I've want lost, to talk about it. Do you feel? Do you I've feel weighted down by your podcast legacy? <laughs> yeah, just thinking about the fact that I have to go make more of that. Come on, it's fun. At least for me, I've just started. Um, there's one small thing that you know what we got a letter about, and I apologize to the person who who pointed it out. Um. um Oh, by the way, the ship, I think the Trillian ship looks pretty awesome. And um Yeah, interesting and I, engine. Yeah, and it's great when it sort of flies away. I really appreciate that. Take us out of here, Mr. Rucker. Hi, sir. Warp two helm. Heading five seven. Mark three one nine. Uh this is a point that someone brought up. Uh why do they ever go at warp two? Why isn't it just always warp nine whenever they want to go somewhere? I think you go at your crew. Well, first of all, you're going to burn through your fuel, your deuterium. Oh, I see. You burn more fuel. That and makes secondly, sense. secondly, maximum warp can only be sustained on a, the Galaxy Class Starship for 12 hours. There you go. This is why we have Matt Meyer on the podcast. So, I mean, I just want you to know that. Very impressive. 
Uh, I don't know. That's all I get. I kind of ended on a down note there. <laughs> you know what? Are you doing something? You're looking something up. He's giving me the same disconnection that he does sometimes when I'm in the middle of telling him all my problems and issues, and he'll be looking down at his phone. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm always just trying to figure out what the best way to let Andy down is. You're oh, you're looking for the transporter effects. No, you were not ready. You weren't queued up. Oh, are we done? Done? I don't know. Oh, what we I'm, have we have uh, so much more to oh do. God, I really was about to wrap up. Unbelievable! I'm You're so, the one who has sounds to hit. You are a hundred percent right. What you can do whatever you want, buddy. Do we do MVC first? Or we do Andy's first. We need to do MVC. Uh, we need to do MVC. Okay. And also, I don't fucking have an answer for this. Go. Most valuable crew member of this episode is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. For what reason? Locking a, tra- a, tra- a tractor beam on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> so minor. <laughs> it's so minor. Yet so accurate. Yeah, I guess it's true. Because what I want, I wanted to give it to Troy because she was the central character. But she doesn't do much. And the main problem... Mm-hmm. Is obviously with the other ship. Um, uh, I mean, mainly she just lets Wyatt go, but right. she d- didn't, in fairness, really want to get married to him anyway. <sighs> or is it Mr. Hom? <laughs> oh, <laughs> is it Mr. Hom? <laughs> Did he have a plan the entire time? <laughs> I also was theorizing: is it? Uh, is it, uh, you know, uh, like somebody in a previous thing said Troy was uh, Troy was the person, even though she wasn't in an episode, because she didn't cause the problems that everybody else caused. So I thought that was funny. But, um, yeah, I think Picard is the only one that does anything. He makes, a de- he makes a single minor decision in this episode. And it saves a population. I guess that's true. Well, really, it's uh, Wyatt for beaming down over there. He only saves, but he's not a he's not a crew member. I can't give it to him. That's true. And frankly, I don't want to give it to him. Yeah, um, it's not Beverly. She's like not paying any attention when Wyatt takes all those supplies and is acting all weird in her in her in the uh, sick bay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Riker doesn't really make a a single command decision, as far as I can remember. Um, Data's just acting like a weirdo. Tasha's acting like a weirdo. Tasha says one thing, which is, shoot them! Yeah. And uh, Picard says, no, use the tractor beam. LaForge says that thing about how it's still taught, it's taught at the Academy now, Captain. Um, By the way, that, that, is, that is the reason that they're all... It's very weird in that scene how it's like... And then in my security training, I learned this piece of information. And it's just because the writers were trying to give them words to say in the episode. Right. Um, and it plays that way. Um, 
I guess that's it. Yeah, it's Picard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There you go. And now... The Andes. Or some other method of ranking. We're working on it. Um, Matthew, do you want to go first? You know, you go this first? episode, there's some fun in it. It's light. Not as light as the next episode's going to be. Um, but it's pretty light. I do like the introduction of Luxana Troy. And for that, it's going to get one extra Andy. Uh, I'm going to give it three Andys. It's interesting. You always, and you give your rundown, you're always lower than I would expect you to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I, uh, I give it uh, four. Mm, I'll give it three and a half. Three and a half, Andy. Three and a half. We're very close on this. We are close on it. I I like that the uh, the Troy plot is coherent, yep. writing wise. Yep. I think the Luxana uh, character, even though it's a little bit irksome beyond the intentional irksome, I like that she rattles Picard's cage. We see a little bit of a, him, the actor, handling different stuff. Yes, but well, I don't. There's nothing really. In some ways, Troy doesn't really have a conflict in this episode. She it says, well, "All right, I'll do it because I makes, have to do it." She immediately makes an adjustment to. Saying, yeah, she's upset sure. in that. She's yeah. overly upset in that first moment, and then she immediately adjusts, and then Reich, it's Riker sulking the whole time, mm-hmm. and then at the end, she doesn't even have to make the decision. Why it's the one that makes the decision, and he's that's really the problem. And going back to my original point is that a minor character has the giant conflict and he's the one that faces this new destiny. Yeah. And that's why it's somewhat unsatisfying, even though it's coherent. It's I, th- I would describe this episode as, as yeah, somewhat, un- not totally unsatisfying. No. Not like fucking the, the, the battle on the planet for Tasha Yar's life. Slash code of honor. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I mean, that one in some ways was at the, least more entertaining because it was so crazy. Is that the worst one yet? Uh, I, I mean, the racism puts it in a whole other category of bad. Um, I'm trying to think if there was one that was more boring because that's kind of that's kind of where we're at with this a worse yeah. crime. Um. Uh. So up next is um the big goodbye. And I am going to tell everyone to watch it. Are you excited about it, Andy? I am. Uh, I the original one was piece of the action. What do you mean? The original well, wasn't. Isn't this the same people or planet as in the original series when they're? Or it's not related to isn't that. Isn't this holodeck related? Oh, it's holodeck related. I thought it was a, a revisit to the. To the planet where uh, where they're back in time, and it's like Damon Runyon characters in the original series, uh, which is a piece of the action. But to my recollection, this is oh, all well, a holodeck. Well, that's disappointing. I I always I never saw it, and I always thought, yeah, it's a deadly trap in the holodeck. Oh well, that's a real downer. Yeah. I thought they were going to go back to that planet. Sorry, bro. Oh man, stupid first season of Next Generation. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to have disappointed you yet again. All right. You're going to get the rundown. Are we leaving? Oh. Finally. 
I don't know the sounds well enough. Am I here or am I not here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I found this older ship. I'm going to beam myself with that. All right. Cool. Oh, that's so satisfying.